We came together from north and south and east and west to sit at table and eat sweet corn and drink iced tea and lemonade. We came to celebrate birthdays. This past summer, my family, as we do every year, gathers and we celebrate all the birthdays for June, July, and August. We have four different birthdays, and all of the kids sell us what we want, and we organize between the cousins and the aunts and uncles, and everyone gathers and eats birthday cake and shares the different movies that each of the children would like to have. Finding a gift from my mother is particularly difficult because she says that there's nothing that she wants. And this puts us in a very particular position as our children, as her children, as we want to celebrate her and to show our love by giving gifts. So we search for the perfect gift. Several years, it's a jigsaw puzzle since she loved those so much. One year, we gave her a tree. And another year, when she refused to tell us what she wanted, we actually gave her a Chia Pet. <laughs> but this year, we went searching at the craft fair, and we found for her a beautiful quilt. And in the different squares of the quilt were all of the different things that she loves about her home in Minnesota. She loves the loons on the lake and the lady slippers and fishing for walleye. So we had this beautiful quilt that we were so happy to buy for her. It had a nice, soft, reverse side that she could wrap around her shoulders, and we gave it to her, and she loved it. But we knew that even more than the beautiful quilt we were able to find for her, she loved that all three of her children were there with our spouses and that five of six of her grandchildren were there and both of her great-grandchildren were with her. The greatest gift for her was to have all of her children home. In the 21st century, we have come to a broad understanding of God. No more is God the old bearded man sitting up in the clouds. We have come to a place where our images of God are more broad, more rooted in the mystery and awe and wonder of God's divine love that connects the universe. We have been to space and seen the images from the Hubble Space Telescope, the birth of stars, the profound beauty of galaxies, and these inspire our wonder and awe of the creator of all things. We know that God is more than our minds can grasp, and we have become 
comfortable with the mystery and with the metaphors. And they have become sophisticated with our abstractions so that God is the ground of all being, the source of life, creative power in the cosmos, the one in whom we live and move and have our being. And these are wonderful, wonderful images and metaphors for God. But the danger is them in them is that God may become reduced to an idea or a concept to think about rather than be in relationship with. But the prophet Hosea will have none of it. Hosea's metaphors for God are outrageous. As Eric preached last week, Hosea begins his prophetic announcement picturing God as the spurned husband of an unfaithful wife. Hosea's treatment of God as an abusive husband is offensive. And there are scholars who would prefer that the book of the prophet Hosea had never been included in the biblical canon. One of the interpretations that helped me to understand Hosea is the pastor who likened the book to a soap opera. And that there were all of this, these intrigue of relationships and who was going to be faithful and who was going to be unfaithful and how would these people relate to one another and tune in next week to see how it all works out. If we didn't have the book of the prophet Hosea, we wouldn't have chapter 11. We would never have this glimpse into the soul of our God gone crazy with love for the world. Now, when Hosea was a prophet, the nation was in turmoil. Leadership was out of control. There was war debt that fell heavily on the poor. And in the midst of this turmoil, Hosea comes with this voice of judgment, this anguished voice of anger. But as chapter 11 opens, God reflects on the birth of the nation as a parent would reflect on the birth of a child. As a father, I loved you so much. I picked you up and carried you. I taught you how to walk. I made sure you were safe. As a mother, I held you to my cheek. I nursed you in my arms. God is so sad for that son has run away. The children have run back to Egypt to worshiping the golden calf. 
they have run back into slavery and suffering and degradation. God is afraid for the one God loves. And then God becomes so angry at these children. God is furious at what they have done to their lives. Don't call on me, says God, because I will not answer you. If they won't come back, be done with them. Leave them to their own devices. And it's so hard for us to imagine God saying that. But what if God gets that angry when God sees us suffer so much? When we go off worshiping idols, and become entangled in slavery to sin, and we suffer, our seminary professors used to always love to point out in Torah law that the punishment for being a rebellious child was the death penalty. Not that we have ever been in that place, but God gets this close. then God's heart turns. And we have that lovely passage of the way tenderness and compassion overwhelm God. And God will not lash out in anger or punish or destroy. But instead, God will allow his her heart to break. And as it is with a broken heart from God, God's broken heart flows with mercy and compassion, with forgiveness and with grace. But God will be no less passionate and fierce For God takes on the heart of a lion. And God roars like a lion. God roars out forgiveness. God roars out grace. God roars to call the children home. And the people, God says, will come from east and west and north and south and sit at table where gifts are shared and every birth is celebrated. Given that we have such a passionate God, we can imagine the things that God's children are doing today that drive God crazy, that make God sad and angry and make God want to pull God's hair out. All the things that break God's heart. But instead of imagining or naming those things, I want us to hear God's roar. 
Oh, I want us to hear that passionate, ferocious roar of grace. Now, I think I heard it this past week when Pope Francis visited Poland yesterday. And he held hands and prayed with those who had survived Nazi death camps. And he sought God's mercy. And he prayed for an end to all the cruelty that people do to each other. There was interfaith services, and in that moment of suffering, love, and people coming together, I heard God's roar of grace. And as Francis called Christian people to help people of other faiths who are seeking refuge, I heard God's roar of grace. And when I considered the news in Baltimore in the midst of the turmoil, I heard people working for peace and also striving for justice in ways that refuse to polarize communities. And I heard God's roar of grace. Teams are gathering from all over the world to Rio for that wonderful celebration of humanity and the Olympic Games and in dancing and singing that opened these welcoming ceremonies. I know I heard God's roar of grace. As a pastor, I have said many, many prayers with parents for children who have run away, for children who have gotten into trouble. I have heard and prayed the anguish and the sadness and the anger, the fear. For the one who runs away, who gets in trouble, who plays with danger, who doesn't let us know where they are for days or weeks, God knows that kind of suffering. God has shed those tears. And parents, we all need to know that God will not stop roaring until all of God's children are home. God roars to all of us and to all parts of our own lives. The parts of our lives that have become lost in Egypt, that have become shamed. The parts that we think are totally unacceptable to God, our idolatries, our unfaithfulness, our rebelliousness and our relationships, the destructiveness to our bodies, to ourselves. 
and God roars out to you and to me, I love you. I forgive you. Let my grace heal you. Come to me. Come to me. God is crazy in love for us. God's greatest desire God's greatest longing, God's greatest joy. Is when God is together and all of God's children are there. All of God's children are home. Thanks be to God. Amen.